0: So I became very curious and very interested in human rights and the fashion supply chain, which I didn't really know much about, to be honest, like up until when I started Encircled, like I decided, you know, to make it here but I couldn't even find manufacturers. And yeah. I was like, why is that? Like, where did they all go? It's just been such an educational journey for me just to yeah. learn about what's happened in the industry. So I think just through that curiosity, I started to become even more and more passionate about it and see you know, how this industry still has such a long way to go and really needs to change in so many different ways. Yeah. And I just wish consumers were more aware of it.
1: Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Christy Sumer. Christy is the founder and CEO of Encircled, a line of innovative, sustainable, and versatile women's wear based in Toronto and retailed exclusively online. A former management consultant who virtually lived in airports, Christy started Encircled with the dream of helping women do more with less in their wardrobes. Frustrated with the lack of versatile and stylish travel clothing, she started designing it with no fashion background and basically a little bit of capital, she launched her online store in 2012. And today, Encircled has a beautiful studio in the Junction Triangle area of Toronto, a team of 12, and makes all of its clothing within 35 kilometers of their studio. They've been featured in publications like Fashion Magazine, Now Magazine, The Globe and Mail, Apartment Therapy, they're a certified B Corporation, and they were the winner of the startup 50 fastest growing companies in Canada in 2018. I am a huge fan of the Encircled brand. I personally own quite a few of their pieces and I love them so much. So it was such an honor to be able to have Christy on the show and hear the story behind this incredible, sustainable, and ethical fashion brand. But before I get to my conversation with Christy, I want to thank one of our partners of the show, and that is Demain. Now, you know, I love sharing the stories behind brands that are changing the world, and Demain is one of those brands. In French, Demain means two hands. Why are they called two hands? Because everything they create is made by trained artisans who use their two hands to make their life better while crafting beautiful products. Truly, this is a company that has set out to change lives and make a positive impact in the world. It all started when the founder, Julie, wanted to create dignified jobs in Haiti. This was a place that she was growing to love and it was just exploding with creativity. And so she wanted to share their talent with the world. Julie set up an educational program to train people with artisan skills and then went on to build a factory that operates on 100% solar energy. And Dermat now employs more than 40 artisans that handcraft premium leather goods, jewelry, and sandals. Their lives are forever changed by their craft. But what's also cool is their products incorporate this incredible eco-friendly twist working with responsibly sourced materials and repurposed inner tube and tires in their designs. I have a pair of their incredible crossover sandals and the footbed of the sandal is it's used tire. How cool is that? I, I think it's just amazing. The fact is, is that when you buy from De you get to be a part of a movement that is making a difference in the world by also adding incredibly well-made pieces to your closet that support conscious living you can discover their products online at doma.com that's de as in dux d-e-u-x mains com, scom dot com. now on to my conversation with christy sumer christy welcome i'm so excited to have you here how are you I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Molly. Thank you so much for being here. I um, am really just so pumped to have you on the show because I am a very big fan of encircled. Uh, I (laughs) let's just say I love your clothes. Um, And so it's just (laughs) always fun for me to get to know the person behind a brand that I love so much. And I'm just like very, I'm putting it out there right at the beginning. I don't even remember what they're called. They're the, um, they're the like, the like dressy sweatpants, Mm -hmm. the travel pants. What are they called? What are they, what's they called again? The dressy sweatpants. The dressy sweatpants. Okay, then I'm right. I was right. (laughs) Um, Those are my probably most worn item in my closet. I love those so much. I've worn them on planes to and from Kenya. I have worn them with like a nice shirt and denim jacket for like a more dressy occasion. And I feel like I'm wearing pajamas like (laughs) they are the softest, most comfortable pants in the entire world. Anyway, that was the item that actually like got me hooked on Encircled. And I was like, okay, I need to know everything I can about this brand. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we're going to get to that. I just had to like tell you that right off the bat that if I could be in love with some pants it would be those pants. Um, they actually <laughs> I featured them on a gift guide episode like a couple years ago. Um, oh, I want to so say had them a while a while I want to say like maybe the yeah. gift guide in November of 2019, possibly. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to go back. So the listeners may be like, I think I remember you talking about these pants because I've loved them (laughs) that long. Um, Okay, so comfy, amazing pants aside, Christy, give me the Christy 101. So tell me who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. So my name is Christy Sumer. I'm the founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand and Circle, the maker of the dressy sweatpants among a number of other designs. The brand started originally actually as a travel clothing line. So something that you kind of alluded to, I used to be, I came from a very corporate career. So I have an MBA and a finance degree. I'm not necessarily your traditional fashion designer. I never went to fashion school. I just had a big interest in solving a problem, which for myself at the time I was traveling you know, around the world, flying about 100,000 miles a year for client sites uh, in my management consulting career. And I wanted comfortable, stylish and versatile clothing. And I found like there were just no options out there. So I really just got inspired. And I came up with this one piece, which is still on our site today called Chrysalis Cardi. It's an eight in one piece that transforms from a scarf to a cardigan to a dress. And that became the product that I launched the business with. So that product, you know, took us from probably about the first year or so. We only had that one product. Yeah. can wear like a number of different ways. But it's really been quite a journey because I started that business originally just to test my product idea. But I also knew that, you know, if it decided to have legs and people were really interested in it, I wanted it to be a business that was aligned with my values. That was really important to me because I was coming from such a corporate career where I felt, you know, like I'd hit like a level of success in my business um, career. But I I wasn't happy because I wasn't aligned with my values in the world, which I'm really passionate about human rights and environmentalism. So that became like fundamental to encircled. So everything's sustainable. We use all sustainable materials, fabrics, notions. We make everything locally in Toronto or certified B Corp. So those foundational elements to our business really became the springboard off of which we've grown.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I am always really interested in just naturally in kind of the 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 seed of the idea. And so you had mm-hmm. the obviously you were interested in solving a problem. You started encircled with just this one product. I have to go back to the beginning. Like, how did you even come up with this one product? Like, was this something that you had just done yourself? Like, I think about my friend Liz Bohannon, who had started her company, Seiko Designs, um, with her ribbon samples oh, yeah. that she had just like, yeah, literally made uh, herself. She was just like, let me tie these ribbons around this thing. And then she created this product. It, w- did you have sort of a similar, uh, like origin story to this one kind of eight in one product? Or how did you even know where to begin?
0: Yeah, I feel like I've met with Liz before because I feel like we maybe laughed over the story <laughs> or somebody who worked with her. Because yes, I have a very similar story because I'm not a fashion designer. So originally, this idea came out of packing. I was packing for a yoga retreat to Costa Rica. And it was like super last minute. They had had a cancellation. I'd never been on a yoga retreat. I had no idea what to bring. So I was like overpacking like a maniac. I was stuffing into like a 30-inch suitcase, massive. And then also, it's like three in the morning, I'm flying out at seven in the morning, I'm like zipping up the bag, the zipper breaks um, to the point where you can't fix it. And everything explodes everywhere. And I'm like, Oh, I got to put this into like a carry on. So I started to like downsize my bag. And I had this like circle scarf from American Apparel. And I don't know if you remember these. This is quite some time ago. Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, you could wear it like 36 ways, you know, and had this little round hang tag. And so I was like, Oh, if I could bring this, I could wear it as a dress and a scarf and on the plane, like this would be amazing. So I started playing around with it. And I realized that it was like completely not functional. It it was like see-through number one, it wasn't even hemmed. So everything was like fraying. When you tied it into the different looks, it looks like you were wearing like a potato sack. Like (laughs) it was completely unflattering. So I was like, well, this concept is really interesting, but in execution, it's not working. So I'm like, what if it was like you know, thicker fabric? What if there was some way to like hold the attachments together? So when you're wearing it as a dress, you don't have to tie it and look like a burlap sack. Um, What if there's like a belt so it could be a bit more fitted. So I got really obsessed with that idea because I thought it was quite brilliant. And at the time I like started like um, when I got to Costa Rica and I had some downtime, I'm like Googling like multi-way scarves. I'm like, somebody must have thought of this before, (laughs) Yeah. you know? And I come back from the yoga retreat and I'm like, I got to just do this. I'm going to make a sample. So I started literally like sewing. I live near the fashion district in Toronto and I went to a sewing store and I bought like all these snaps, Velcro, whatever I could find. And I started just sewing and cutting apart my American apparel scarf, like on the floor with like a, a needle. I didn't even have like a sewing machine. And I started playing around with it. I'm like, this actually kind of works. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find some fabric. Who knows what kind of fabric? I had no idea what fabrics were which. Just bought some fabric and started playing around with that idea and made like my first prototype by just basically like kind of like hand sewing it together. Oh my and gosh. then eventually bought a sewing machine off of Craigslist and was able to break that successfully on the first try. And then eventually learn how to sew my first sample and test it on friends and family and stuff like that. So once I started to test it on friends, that's when I realized I think I had a really great idea because yeah. people were like, wow, this is so cool. And I was like, wow, I really like this too. So I'm like, <laughs> why not just test this and see how it goes? So so yeah, it was definitely, um, you know, I put it up on, a, it took a long time from a product development standpoint yeah. to get it like perfect. Like that, product, that process takes a really, it took about nine months.
1: Yeah, um,
0: But we got it into production and had our first production run in December,
1: 2012. Wow. So what was the time frame between like, I'm going on this retreat, and I want this. And then maybe there's a need for this to like, you have it in product development. And like, you're Mm -hmm. making them, you're having somebody make them.
0: Yeah. So I think I started like probably the process of sampling in April, when I got back from the yoga retreat, and then they would have gone into production probably around like the design was probably finished around October. And then it took about a month for production. A month and a bit. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a while. Yeah. And it's a pretty basic pattern. You know, when it comes to like, you're making like a hoodie or like a blazer or something like that. You have like, you could have like 35 pattern pieces. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. was like one pattern piece. You know. Yeah. So it was a very basic design. But it was the the really secret part was just the strategic. We ended up using snaps. Um, and they were placed really strategically along the hemlines, so you don't see them. Yeah. And so when you snap them together, you can wear them as a dress, and it looks like a one shoulder gown, when in fact, it's also a circle scarf. So it really became the first product, which we became very well known for. And it's still actually a bestseller today.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I love so much when people like yourself, like you see this problem, it's really just kind of born out of, well, this is a need that I have. So if I have this need, then probably other people do. And then you're just commitment to test and test and test and test and test. And You didn't give up on the idea. When you began to to think like, okay, this is something that I think could really go to market. At what point did you start to be like, okay, maybe this is actually an entire brand and business in and of itself. Was that before that product went to market? Or was it after and it started to be successful that you were like, Oh, I think I I think I have something here. Like I think this is a company. I think this is a brand. Mm -hmm.
0: That's such a good question. I would say it started with the product versus today, you would see a lot more companies start with the brand, right? um, And really pitch on the ethos. I had like the rough ethos of the brand, I knew where I wanted to make it went from and what values were important to the brand. But I hadn't really begun with the brand in mind and then developed the products. I developed the products kind of in my own head of cool things I wanted to do. And then I was developing a brand that wrapped around it. I came up with the idea of Encircled literally almost the night that I started playing around with the circle scarf, just because it was a circle scarf. So I was like, "Hmm, what could be like Encircled, circle? Oh, I like that. Yeah, that looks good. (laughs) Like, you know, again, you start Googling stuff, you're like trademarks, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just really suited us well because I had this concept that like, you know, I wanted to create clothing that really was like a triple win. So it was like a win for right. customers. You get a high quality versatile garment. It's a win for the environment because it's made out of sustainable materials. And it's a win for human rights because it's made by fairly paid labor. Yeah. So I always think in the terms of like good karma and this like infinite circle. And so that's where that all came from. But it took me a while, I think, to really believe that it would be a business because I yeah. was still employed full time for like almost two years wow. after I launched it, wow. you know, doing it on the side, mainly on evenings and weekends. Um, I would drive to the airport with like, basically, I would have like an airport taxi or limo pick me up and I would bring like a garbage bag of um, shipping packages and I would make the driver stop on the way to the airport at different red letter Canada post box and drop them in because I couldn't fit them into all one so like literally it was the most ridiculous setup you've ever seen oh. and the most manual process because <laughs> I was doing everything I was doing customer service I was shipping I was picking I was packing orders, I was
1: yeah. managing
0: production but I started to definitely fall in love with it in that kind of two year span and I really liked my products and I was so inspired by my travels to develop even more products. So
1: yeah, it kind of grew from there. Now you talk about how the ethos of the brand and what you know really sets encircled apart in a lot of ways is your commitment not only to the ethical manufacturing of the products and knowing that the people who are making your products are earning a living wage, not just a a fair wage. The sustainability component was really important to you as well. And using sustainable materials and low impact dyes. And this is in 2012, when this was not a conversation that was as prevalent as it is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, I found myself getting really passionate about kind of the, you know, the fair trade and ethical fashion world um, towards the middle to end of 2011. And from there, I researched and read as much as I could. And there was just nothing like there was just nothing Mm -hmm. out there. It was so hard to find brands that aligned with this, this ethos that I had kind of discovered for myself. And so I'm curious, like, where did where did that ethos stem from for you? Was this something that you just it just came natural? Or was it something that you learned about and been exposed to? Because you really were ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, in like a good way and a bad way, I think, because <laughs> yeah. I think we were <laughs> ahead of the curve. We're the point where nobody understood why we were doing what we were doing yeah. and <laughs> like why it even mattered. Um, and I still, to this day, education is still a huge thing for us as a brand that we have to take an active role in because again, there's so much greenwashing, but there's also so much yeah. misinformation out there. So for me, I guess it all started with my own personal values. So when I was working in management consulting, I did a lot of retail consulting, I used to work in consumer packaged goods and manufacturing like products and deodorants and stuff like that. And through that process, I learned a lot about claims and what people say Mm. and what actually like is true and how like brands are able to manipulate things by, Mm. you know, subtle word changes and whatnot. Right. And some of that, I just it didn't sit well with me, to be honest, because I'm so like authenticity and integrity are really important Mm -hmm. to me. And so even if it's like, you know, saying new concentrated formula, and that's like, actually factually true, but like, it's actually they just took the water out of the product. It's not actually more necessarily efficacious, you know, it just doesn't really jive with me. So I think as I got older, like when I was younger in my career, I was like, just really excited to be a part of something. And I wasn't really like questioning what was going on. You know, as I turned like 30, I was like, much probably like you with your journey in ethical fashion, I started to question like, what is in my clothes? What is in my beauty products? What is in my food? Like a lot of those other areas of things you're purchasing, you start to wonder, you know, why am I buying organic? Like, what does that mean? And what is the equivalent to like beauty or food for that? So I think I just became a lot more curious around that. And then Mm. when I started to see what was happening in the fashion industry at the time, like the Rana Plaza factory collapse happened in 2013. So that was like a few years, I guess a year after I started my brand approximately. And at the time I was working in management consulting and I remember the vibe around the retail industry was like, not necessarily apologetic about it. Outwardly they were, but they were like, people were like, ooh, I didn't realize you could get manufacturing so cheap in Bangladesh. Like that was like the viewpoint that was coming through in the communities that I was a part of. Mm. And I was like, people were critically injured. Like this is not the time to think about profits over people. Uh, Like it was just so, it sits with me still to this day. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to, because me helping these brands in that space to do their work and move their manufacturing, optimize their processes, I'm complicit in in this. Mm. And that's not the type of values that I stand for and I want to be known for. So I became very curious and very interested in human rights and the fashion supply chain, which I didn't really know much about, to be honest, like up until when I started Encircled, like I decided, you know, to make it here but I couldn't even find manufacturers. And I was like, why is that? Like, where did they all go? Like, it's, it's just been such an educational journey for me just to learn about what's happened in the industry. So I think just through that curiosity, I started to become even more and more passionate about it and see, you know, how this industry still has such a long way to go and really needs to change in so many different ways. And I just wish consumers were more aware of it. So somehow I've taken on that role, (laughs) um, through my brand of, You know, trekking up that hill because it is a hill. It's very difficult to run a business in this space and be profitable because people don't necessarily understand still why it matters.
1: Yeah, there are two words there that you used that just struck me the moment you said them, and the first is, and and this is a word that I don't think we use often enough, but I love it. um, Is how you just you talked about how you were curious. Um, You just became curious, and I think that's such a great way to describe what I I just want people to be is I don't tell, especially this is a conversation I have all the time, obviously, here on this podcast and in my personal life and on social media and all those kinds of things. I just help you. I'm like, look, I'm not perfect. Like, I don't expect perfection. But I think curiosity leads to asking questions. Curiosity leads to learning. And you know, I think about like, I have two young children, I have a seven and five year old, they are the most curious creatures, they ask me Mm -hmm. 750,000 questions an hour. Um, I and it's just like, and a one question begets another question begets another question begets another question. And like, yes, there are times where I'm like, Oh, my gosh, stop asking questions. Um, But at the same time, like, I really appreciate and admire their curiosity, because they're not afraid to ask questions. And if, especially like, you know, kids like have zero filter. So mm-hmm. like my kids will ask questions that I'm just like, oh, I guess you can ask that question. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they just, cause they, they just want to know kids are, kids are amazing because they just want to know. And they're tiny little sponges. I think that we can learn a lot from having a child's curiosity. And I'm not saying we need to ask, you know, 750,000 questions an hour. But having that same type of curiosity really does lead to just learning more and more. And to go to that very famous Maya Angelou quote, when you know better, you do better. And so if we are curious, then we ask questions, then we learn things, and then we know better, and then we can do better again, it is a process. It is um, not something that we need to expect perfection on. But the more that you can be curious and ask questions and, and little by little make changes, that adds up. Mm-hmm. And so I love how you just discussed how you were you were just curious and you learned and, and, and you grew. But the other thing that you said that I think is um, is powerful is your own kind of acknowledgement of working in the industry and and the complicity in it and um that word can can bring up feelings for people um yes. because it can be a it, it can be a hot button word mm-hmm. but i think acknowledging that and saying like well if i'm participating in this if i'm working for this company and i'm not saying anything or i'm not doing something then i'm just i'm complicit and you know, I, I think people will have different opinions on that or not. Like, as consumers, if we know that a company is trash, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if we know that a company is doing terrible things and we're continuing to buy their products, does that make us complicit? Probably yes. Is that fun to admit? Mm-hmm. Uh, not really. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a fun thing mm-hmm. um, for us to discuss, but I think, um, I think it's important. And so I guess the the reason I bring that up is just because I think it's it's so important for us to to be curious and to not be complicit. Um, as you were taking these steps and starting this company and taking it full time, how did you begin to wrestle with those things internally and think about, okay, what are the steps that you're going to take even in your own life, like your business notwithstanding? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, firstly, I'll say I'm not perfect either. I mean, this industry, fashion industry in general is still very, um, it's still very difficult to shop. Right. Perf- I mean, it's impossible. It's to impossible. Be it's because impossible. There's, there's no perfect fabric. There's right. no perfect supply chain out there. Um, there are better brands, there are better fabrics, there are better options, um, but there's still a lack of availability of things right. specifically like in alternative leathers, you know, there's just not a lot of affordability for the options there other than like vegan plastic leather, which isn't good for the environment. So like, there's a lot of compromise that's required, I think right now in the industry, which is okay. But I think what you said is really important, that idea of curiosity and consciousness and just being more mindful about what you're doing. We have a lot of people that come to us and say, you know, the documentary, The True Cost really changed their life. And I mean, that's a great documentary. It has a a good way of like introing what's going on in the fashion industry without making people feel bad. Right. Because we don't want people to feel bad on a daily basis about what they're reaching for in their closet because that's just the reality. Like I have a I have a top in my closet or a sweater from Forever 21 from 12 years ago. Yeah, Um, I still have it. I'm not going to throw it out because I don't support fast fashion. At one point I did. And I'm fully, I disclosed that I did. I I had like basically a shopping addiction before I really was able to open my eyes about what goes into it. Same. Yeah. So we're not perfect beings. You just try and be better in what you said, like making those incremental small steps. So I think that's the challenge for me is because people to a certain extent, they expect you to be perfect because you're like the founder of the sustainable brand. So I've gotten a lot of flack, specifically on social media. You know, mm. for the cars I drive and stuff like that. They'll be like, "Why aren't you driving a Tesla?" I'm like, well, "Because I make million a
1: million oh dollars a year, and also goodness. have their own issues." <laughs> you know, uh, people like that <laughs> drive me crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's like, A, Teslas are very expensive, but also the mining of like the batteries is like a very yes. environmentally and human rights issue as well. Like there's, it's again, like many things in sustainability, there's a lot of gray area. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. black and white. It's not like use this detergent or don't use this. It's yeah. like, there's just a lot of choices in between. So it can be very overwhelming and confusing. So I just try to practice what we try and share and circle, which is really progress over perfection. So mm-hmm. be more mindful. Yep. So if I am going to buy A pair of shoes, I'm going to really make sure that I'm super intentional about that choice. Like, what kind of shoes do I need? Like, you know, research a couple of brands, like see what their values are like, and then end up making a purchase. And if I make a purchase, you know, for my runners, then I decide there's not a lot of sustainable running shoes out there, like Mm -hmm. performance runners, let's say, not like, um, casual. Yeah. So maybe I have to decide between like New Balance, Adidas, and Nike. So which one am I going to decide? I'm going to do the research and I'm going to make the decision, but I'm going to slow that process down because yes. a lot of it's, again, just that awareness, curiosity, and really learning about the industry. So that's really what it's all about is asking those questions mm. and making sure that you're making conscious choices. And even if you are choosing that fast fashion brand, at least saying like, okay, I'm going to buy that H&M sweater, but I'm going to take really great care of it. And I'm going to hold it in my closet for a really long time. And I'm going to make sure it's like a really, you know, a color that can stand the test of time. So I'm yeah. not throwing it in the landfill or find a way to like swap it with a friend later. Yep. So it's just about those little choices. There's very many ways to participate in sustainable fashion that don't involve actually like purchasing product.
1: Yes. That's such a, you, uh, once again, you brought up a couple great points there. Um, but two, and then the, the thing that I am so, uh, I care so deeply about is like these conversations are never with any tinge of shame in them. Like I don't ever want people to feel shamed. And I am super open about, you know, like, oh, I'm not perfect at all. And I, you know, I do the best I can. But sometimes like I will exhaust every ethical resource possible. And then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I just got to go to Target and get it. Like, it's just <laughs> I cannot find it yeah. anywhere else. Like, I'm just going to go to Target and it's fine. Um, but it's going to be a product that I'm going to use and use and use and use. And like, I love, you know, the example of uh, of the H&M sweater. I mean, because I I've shop very uh, intentionally for my own closet. And this past uh, winter, I had just searched and searched and searched for like a very specific, like I wanted a thick kind of knit, comfy sweater that I could wear with leggings or jeans or like, you know, and I just I looked for something really specific in my size and the color I wanted. And I searched for like three months. And finally, I found a free people one that I was like, okay but I'm going to wear this sweater for like the rest of my life. I love it so much. Like, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like one of those things that I'm like, this is going to be in my closet for the next 20 years. And so I felt like I could justify it in that way. And so I just tell people, I'm like, it's a, as long as you're being, like you said, mindful and conscious about your, your choices and your decisions that you're making, and you just do what you can and little by little that really does matter. And then, you know, I kind of always go back to like the 30 wears question. And I think it should even be more mm-hmm. than that. But like, before you buy something, are are you going to wear this at least 30 times? Um, mm-hmm. I think I wore my comfy sweatpants uh, or my dressy sweatpants like <laughs> at least 30, 30 times. times the first month I had them, I think, which is every day. Um, you know what I mean? So I just thinking about that and the cost per wear and, and how well mm-hmm. something is made. I mean, all those things really go into those decisions. I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Christy to thank our partner of the show, Mama Suds. It is time for a spring clean refresh. So let's get that home sparkling the safe way with Mama Suds. Now, Castile soap is the superhero of soaps. It does it all from the windows to the walls. It is truly the only soap that you need. So what can you do with Mama Suds Castile soap? Well, you can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tile, baseboards, windows, blinds. You can even use it to clean the carpets. I personally love making my own homemade foaming hand soap with it. You can grab a gallon of Mama Suds Castile soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to do's at mamasuds.com and use the coupon code Molly for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Christy. Okay, but so I want to move forward a little bit because obviously, as we know, here we are in 2021 and Encircled has grown a lot. And you guys have been around almost 10 years, which is just amazing Mm -hmm. and such a huge accomplishment making it through a global pandemic, still in the midst of a global pandemic. At what point did you leave that corporate world? You began to grow the business and you really, um, what was the the turning point for you in the business?
0: Yeah. So um, I left my corporate job in, I think it was like end of November, 2014. So literally almost like two years after our first production run. Yeah. I tried to quit my job that year three times and I let the company I was working for to talk me back into it. <laughs> I was not ready. Um, and it was a really hard decision for me because I was really far in my career and my family did not support it at yeah. all. They mm-hmm. were completely against it. Um, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, except for one cousin who is always like kind of struggling with his businesses. So that was like the perception of entrepreneurship, I think, in my family so they weren't really supportive. Uh, I got uninvited from Christmas. Oh my, um, my dad went not speak to me for six months. So and I, I really don't even think he's in totally my business. But that's oh fine. We've gosh. come a long way since then. But yeah, it's been a journey for sure. So like in 2015, when I was like, you know, full-time in the business, we started to see a lot of growth because it was just me. I was able to dedicate my full-time yeah. and it started to grow quite a bit. And then I happened to go on the show in Canada called Dragon's Den, which is like very similar to the Shark Tank. In oh, US. Cool. Um, and so I pitched and circled on there. Um, spoiler alert, the episode never aired. <laughs> the deals we got, um, fell through and due diligence. So I ended up like, you know, being positive and I rented a studio space and I hired an employee and then I found out the deal fell through. Um, But I decided to go ahead with that anyways. And we ended up getting investment from another investor, angel investor in Toronto uh, later that year. So that was a really big turning point because that allowed me to start to hire people to help me, which was incredible in the beginning for sure, because you're just doing everything and even having like an extra pair of hands makes such a difference. Yeah, And then from there, you know, that was, like I guess my first part-time employee and then now we have right now we have 14 full and part-time employees and we have two interns and we're hiring two more people so we should mm-hmm. have about 20 by the end of the year. So we're not like a massive business now. Yeah. Um and definitely that road has been like bumpy to be fair. Yeah. Um such as entrepreneurship. But yeah, we've grown really massively and I think for myself, you know, I always tell the story, I have a podcast as well and I always for context share in March 2013 you know, we did $148. And that was like to a friend, <laughs> like yeah. a friend of mine bought the Cardi and she paid cash. And I remember sitting there thinking, I want to quit my job and I'm making $148 in my business. Like this is like, whoa, we are way off here. Something oh has my to gosh. Changed. So looking back on that, and then knowing where we are today, it just, it's, it's like night and day, of course, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to even like evaluate where we've come and, and how much work has gone into the brand and the business and the supply mm-hmm. chain, a lot of it in the supply chain and setting up the factories and getting the fabrics and sourcing and products and yeah. stuff like that. But it's definitely a fun journey and I love what I do and I feel very grateful to be excited to go to work every day.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been really, um, you know, just like I said, I discovered your brand a few years ago and it's been uh, really just fun to watch, uh, the evolution, even just within the last few years, um, since I first discovered you. And, um, I just love the innovation. I feel like you take just such a unique twist on no pun intended for some of your products. Um, you know, you just take this, uh, unique (laughs) twist on, um, workwear and travel wear and uh, versatile wear. It's size inclusive. It's comfortable. It's beautifully made, handcrafted. I mean, it's just, it's really special. And I think that that's something that um, you should feel really proud. And I hope, I I think you do. I hope you do. And I know that (laughs) um, just, you know, having so many friends who are in the industry and I know how difficult (laughs) it is and it's, uh, it's so much work but you, you've done just a phenomenal job. Um, I don't know what you guys do with that, the lensing modal fabric. It's, Mm -hmm. is it like, I describe it as like unicorn hair. Like it's just (laughs) the most incredible fabric. I don't know how you even began to develop this fabric. I mean, it's just, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, we're very lucky. So the dressy sweatpants are made out of lensing micromodal. So it's an even softer yeah. blend and that that fabrics actually knit and dyed locally in Toronto. Yeah. So that's a blend that we developed with our dye house and knitter here for us exclusively. And it's really our secret sauce because it does feel amazing against the skin. Yeah. It's sustainable. It's local. Um, it's naturally biodegradable at the end of the life cycle of the clothing, you know, and it just feels amazing. And that's one of the challenges of being an online business is that You know, it's very hard to communicate the fabric feel because I think that is like a huge differentiator for us as well. You know, back in the day when we had like in-studio events and marketplaces, we used to do these community marketplaces where we would invite other brands into our studios that had similar values and and host basically like a market for the day and they come for free and showcase their stuff. And like people touching and feeling the fabric, they would literally walk by the racks and be like, oh my God, I want to oh, sleep I on this. It's, it's so just amazing, so you know? <laughs> yes. So they're like, I just want to touch it a bit more. And now thinking back in COVID, we're like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, It it is kind of hard to describe. So we do focus on premium fabrics and making sure that everything's certified because that's really important with modal and all that kind of stuff. Because there's different ways to get a lot of these raw materials now, and some of them are not sustainable. Yeah. So that's again why this industry can be very overwhelming for consumers because they don't know that. So this becomes an opportunity for a lot of brands to do a lot of greenwashing. So we try to be the leader and educate in that, but it is Mm. challenging, and we're trying to do it in a way where we feel like people are able to take part and again, participate wherever they are in their fashion journey. So even if they just discovered us and have never bought anything from a sustainable or ethical brand, or maybe they're a zero waster, we want to make sure that they feel included in the journey
1: too. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Christy, tell me um, about your podcast, like shamelessly plug it. (laughs) Tell me about all the things that you are doing (laughs) and what kind of is on the horizon for you.
0: Yeah, so my podcast is called Brave and Boss. One of the things that I learned pretty early on, actually in my fashion journey, was that there was an extremely large lack of resources for product-based businesses, especially yeah. ones with purpose-driven missions. So there was a lot of drop shipper. If you want to drop ship curling irons from you know China on Alibaba, there's a lot out there about Facebook ads, but there's not a lot teaching the holistic principles of running a business and scaling it in the e-commerce environment. Where you do have like a more sustainable supply chain. So Mm -hmm. I started that podcast just basically out of the need that people were just asking me questions all the time, and I was like, I just don't have time for coffee every like you know fifteen minute coffee every day with somebody. So I started just answering those questions on the podcast, and now I've moved into doing interviews in the last like six months. um, And we have like uh, some continuing education programs, like an email marketing course, a goal setting course, um, tips and tricks on you know how to build your supply chain, and it's really designed to like help primarily female-founded entrepreneurs level up because there's a lack of capital that flows into the space of female entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lack of, like resources out there to support the development and growth. Like there's very few women who ever surpassed the, you know, million dollar mark in revenue. We passed that in twenty fifteen and continue to grow. And I want more women to be able to do that because it's definitely possible and there's great business models out there, but yeah. sometimes it's just missing those parts and pieces to help them grow. Yeah. So so yeah, so that's basically what I'm up to with the podcast. We're launching lots of new products for summer with circled. Um, getting into some comfy shorts. So comfy dress shorts. Yes. Comfy um, tell. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So just going down that kind of dressy, comfy space with the micro modal you love um, and making it into really dressy silhouettes. So it feels like you're wearing your favorite pajamas to yes. work. Um, and yeah, just starting to continuing to expand our product development, our team and looking at finding new fabrics that we can work with um, and sourcing. So that's really exciting for the brand
1: too. Oh, man. Yeah, I think all of us, uh, like COVID, everybody is just like, why are we still wearing jeans? Why is je- yeah. why are jeans oh still God. a thing? I mean, I'll be honest. I do love jeans. I'm wearing jeans right now. But I wore the dressy sweatpants like most of the time. So um, but <laughs> I'll tell you, like jean shorts, I'm just like... Uh, Ugh, yeah. I'm not... I'm just not here for that. I just not. It's. Just, I need... I, I was need, a soccer player, so,
0: like, it's impossible to find ones that actually fit my legs. <laughs> I
1: need... See, I struggle with that, too. Like, I just... I got I got some hips on me. OK, and uh, I got some thighs and I just I really don't like the jean shorts that just hug, hug real tight and just like let's accentuate mm. these things. It's just like, no, 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 no. I want to deemphasize. <laughs> de-emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to tone these down. Um.
0: Yeah, but yeah. that's such an important part because you need to be buying stuff that you're actually going to wear. Yes. So if you buy a sustainable pair of shorts, it's like skin tight and you hate them. Mm-hmm. You're never going to wear them. Then mm-hmm. it's a waste of resources. So correct. Once again, another way: if you buy that, like jean short from maybe like you know American Eagle is not my favorite brand, but they do have some sustainable practices. Yeah. You know, and if you wear them 200 times, then that's a great use. Yeah. Potentially of your money. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to find those pieces that fit really well. But yeah. when you do, you know, you love them the most, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. and you just hang on to them. So um, needless to say, I am here for the dressy sweatpants shorts. <laughs> here for that. You holler at me. Let me know when those have launched. I will be purchasing. Okay, Christy, uh, this has been so much fun. Uh, but before we go, this is my favorite part of the show where we just get to ask some fun, lighthearted get to know you questions. Um, so Christy, are you ready for the get to know you round? I am, yeah. All right, cool. Okay. If you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night, rest of your life, what would it be? I almost
0: said sushi, but <laughs> that's such a weird answer. No, that's not weird. Um, I love sushi. Probably, probably, um, probably like hamburgers. I
1: love yes. burgers. I do. I was just <laughs> saying to my husband yesterday so we just moved within the last month, we moved to uh, a farm, (laughs) we bought a farm. Um, And, uh, but our old house was right by this like local burger joint that was so good. And I'm like, realizing I was realizing I was like, we didn't have like a goodbye meal at the burger plate at (laughs) at our favorite town hall burger. And um, I mean, it's, you know, twenty five to 28 minutes away now. And I'm like, is that worth, like, am I going to drive that far to go get that burger now? I don't know that I am. Like, I do, I just don't know that I am. And so now I'm really craving, um, like, a really good burger and some cheese fries. No <laughs> regrets. Amazing. No regrets. Um, okay. What is the song that you have to sing along with, like, the moment it comes on?
0: Oh, definitely Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, like, A classic, a classic fave.
1: Yes. Okay, you have to go after we stop recording and everybody that is listening. If you've not seen this, this is from a few years ago. But Jimmy Fallon did a bit on his uh, show uh, with Will Ferrell about Don't Stop Believing. And it was like Jimmy Fallon was a uh, was like a nightclub singer singing Don't Stop Believing. And then Will Ferrell was a um, like a Or am I thinking of the wrong song? I really think it was Don't Stop Believing. But maybe I'm like going to everybody listening is gonna be like, Molly, you're wrong. (laughs) So now. uh, But yeah, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure. And then it was like Will Ferrell's like a heckler in the audience. And he was like asking. He would be like, what? are you I don't know. It was funny. Just look up like Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon heckler. Uh, and then if I it's will. not, don't stop believing, um, I'm really sorry, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it'll it will be funny either way. it will be funny either way. Uh, but I really think it was don't stop believing, but maybe it's not. Um, okay. What was your favorite movie to watch growing up? Like very nostalgic for you. Hmm.
0: Oh, these are good questions. Nobody
1: asks me questions like this.
0: <laughs> um, growing up. Oh my God. What is the name of that movie with Macaulay Culkin?
1: Home Alone. Where?
0: No, not home alone. My, home alone's good. My girl. No, but the one where. you yeah, My girl. Yeah, that <gasps> reminds me of my childhood.
1: Yeah. So my girl. Here's a funny story. My girl is the first movie that I ever consciously remember crying watching. Yeah, it was very sad. Oh, yeah. So sad. And I remember I guess sad. I don't remember how old I was when I when it came out and I watched it, but I just remember sobbing. And when when she's like, he needs his glasses, and I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it was very emotionally like I I definitely remember that if I had to pick a second it would be Legally Blonde oh yeah but that's like when I was a bit older yeah so I
1: feel like <laughs> Legally Blonde is good and my husband would never admit it but he also loves Legally Blonde <laughs> he it's will amazing.
0: never I saw the musical when I was in London
1: UK, oh was, like, I want to see it I want to see it phenomenal yes the the couple of like musicals like that that I have not seen that I really want to are the Legally Blonde musical and the Mean Girls musical really want to see them, Mm -hmm. have not had a chance to. So good. Um, Okay. And then my last question, which is the question I ask all my guests is, Christy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose?
0: So that's a great question too. Um, For me, running a business with purpose means to have a business that's aligned with your values, that's contributing to the greater good of the world. And that really has a desire to make a positive impact through business.
1: Mm. So good. Christy, this has been so much fun. Thank you for being here. And everybody go listen to Christy's podcast, Brave and Boss, and uh, go get you some dressy sweatpants. You will not regret it. Trust me. Like if, if you do, you can send me an email, but I, I know you won't. Um, Christy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at still being Molly or at business with purpose podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google play radio public or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show and while you're there would you take a moment to leave a review leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you this show is produced by the incredible team at third wheel media thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose